0: Hi, and welcome to Tech Interviews. This week is the second in our series of episodes that we're doing looking at the challenges of data privacy. And it's also part two of my conversation with global data privacy attorney Sheila Fitzpatrick. Uh, Last week, we uh, set some context around data privacy and and what we mean by privacy and maybe how it differs from data security. We also looked at the EU General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR. Uh, Well, this week, we delve a little bit more into that uh, and also look at some practical steps that we can take as organizations to start to build strong, robust data privacy policies. We start this week's episode, however, with a UK-specific question and whether the UK's withdrawal from the EU will have an impact on how compliant we as UK organisations need to be with GDPR. So settle back. Sheila's got some great information to share with us all. Enjoy the episode.
1: Uh, not necessarily. I wouldn't say they're slightly difference, but, but absolutely you're right. UK businesses are going to have to comply with GDPR. Um, and especially for companies that have their data centers in the UK, it's something they're really going to have to look at, which is you can't rely on the UK government to decide whether or not the UK is going to adopt GDPR as their foundation or whether they're going to use the UK Data Protection Act, which is less restrictive than the GDPR. It's going to be incumbent on UK organizations and legal entities to embrace GDPR and to comply regardless of what the UK government does. And the same is true for any company that operates anywhere in the world. GDPR isn't looking at whether or not the, the jurisdiction you operate in has an adequate data privacy laws. This is mandating that regardless of what which jurisdiction you're in or which privacy laws um, are mandated in your jurisdiction, you are still going to have to comply with the obligations of GDPR, which many of the new requirements are not embedded in other laws right now. I mean, one of the other areas um, that you have to look at, there's a couple other, other things. One is the requirement for data minimization, meaning you should only be collecting the data you absolutely must have in order to manage the business or employment relationship. So instead of taking liberties with the data and saying, oh, you know, it would be great to have all this personal data. We might need it at some point in time, you know, if we do research or if we want to um, do, you know, surveys and look at the type of people we want to hire, like doing profiling. All of that will not be allowed under GDPR. You're only going to be able to collect the minimum amount of data you need in order to manage that relationship. That's very different from what you see elsewhere. Um, Another requirement is privacy by design. So this is going to impact companies that provide technology that allow you to manage and process and, and store personal data. Instead of thinking of privacy as an afterthought, Privacy is going to have to be embedded in the design process, very much like security is today, where, you know, customers would never do business with a company that said, no, we don't have security, that's your problem. But yet they're willing to do business with companies that say, well, privacy is your problem, not ours. That's going to have to change under GDPR. Companies are going to have to look at, all right, what do we absolutely need in order to make this system work? What laws govern the data that we're collecting? How do we ensure that we're meeting our privacy obligations before we build this new solution? And that's going to be tied to conducting what's called the privacy impact assessment. So what is going to be the impact on privacy laws if you roll out this new technology or you roll out this new process or you offer this new service? You're always going to have to keep privacy in the forefront of what you do. It can no longer be an afterthought
2: what what i think we you've, you've conveyed really interestingly there one of the things that actually catches my attention about gdpr is that you know not, not only is it, obviously this is it part of going to be regulation it's going to be part of law that we have to be uh, much more aware of how we deal with eu citizens private information um but even lots of things you talked about there actually are if nothing else some really good practice there and you know and that's That's something that strikes me around GDPR, which which makes it something worth understanding because some really good data privacy and data security habits and uh, and and processes there that that we could probably adopt. Um, But one of the things that um, one of the questions that that I do get asked a little bit about this is that are we've talked a lot about how businesses are affected and it's it's very wide ranging. It does sound like. Very much, almost every business is probably going to be affected. But I mean, are there other are businesses, organizations that aren't going to necessarily be affected by GDPR?
1: You know, that's an interesting question because I can tell you probably ninety nine point nine percent of businesses are are going to be imp, um, impacted by GDPR. The only businesses or organizations that would not be are organizations that absolutely have no. Um, visibility into the personal data that you use citizens. So if you're a company that operates strictly within, say, the U.S., and all of your customers or all of your, your employees are, you know, U.S. citizens, there's absolutely no relationship whatsoever with Europe, those would be the only companies that are not impacted. But given the nature of today's world, especially the business world, everything is global, so it's very difficult to say that you don't operate in a world that wouldn't necessarily have access to the personal data of any U.S. citizen. You may be a U.S. organization, but your employees may not hold U.S. citizenship. And that's going to be something that companies are going to have to look at, and it also becomes a catch-22, because in some cases, you're not allowed to ask the citizenship of your employees or your customers, so you may not even know that your, obligated to comply or that you're violating GDPR because you didn't realize you were holding the personal data of an EU citizen. That's going to become a little complicated. And when I advise customers, you know, I'll say it's very important that you take the most um, conservative, aggressive, proactive, global approach to compliance with data privacy laws because then you're insured to comply no matter what. And that's the approach we've always taken at NetApp. We've never taken a US-centric approach ever. We've always taken a very, very global approach, and we've looked at the most restrictive jurisdictions to ensure that regardless of what laws come out, that we are easily able to adapt and comply.
2: And that raises another interesting point, actually, I think, about, um, because I suppose one of the things is that some people may well be listening to this and, and hearing us talk about data privacy, et cetera, um, but may well be sitting there with, um, and I'm sure none of our listeners would be, but may well be sitting there with the idea that, well, what's the real impact going to be and is, is anybody ever really going to find out? Uh, you know, I mean, is is this going to be something that's going to actually have some teeth? Is this going to be something that's um, that's going to be enforceable even? You know, Have you got a view on that?
1: It's absolutely going to be enforced and it, and it does have teeth behind it. Um, under the new regulation, a sanction for blatant violation of GDPR can carry a fine of 20 million euro or 4% of a company's annual revenue. That is a substantial fine. I mean, if you think about it, there was a financial institution in the UK that just a few months ago had a major data privacy um, violation and data privacy breach. And the EU commissioners had come out and said that if at that point in time, if GDPR had been in effect, if that financial organization would have been fined 2.8 billion euro, they would have put them out of business. And so this is going to be an absolutely um, serious regulation that does have teeth behind it, that data protection authorities are very aggressive about going after violators. Um, there are a lot of companies that are bearing their heads. There's a lot of companies that say, well, there's no way they can, they, can, um, they can enforce this. And especially if you talk about a lot of US-based multinational companies, a lot of them are saying, oh, you know, they can't really file a complaint in the courts in the US. But the fact of the matter is they can. And and part of that was the outcome when Safe Harbor was invalidated almost two years ago, well, a year and a half ago, it was two years this October, and part of the agreement to get the new privacy shield approved was what's called the U.S. Redress Act, which allows and gives Um, U.S. or EU citizens the right to file a complaint in, not only the courts in Europe, but in the courts in the U.S. if they feel that their privacy rights have been violated. And and that's something that that people have to look at. And that also brings up an issue around, you know, the, the new privacy shield framework that is between the EU and the U.S. You know, I caution a lot of companies that are relying on privacy shield because there's already been challenges, um, registered in the, uh, courts in the ECJ, the Europ- European Court of Justice, as well as the High Court in Ireland is already looking at cases. And, um, there is a, you know, um, there is a likelihood, a probability, um, obviously not definite, but there's certainly the probability or, or likelihood that privacy shield could be invalidated. Just like safe harbor, and the other thing to keep in mind is, Privacy Shield does not meet the obligations of GDPR. So, a lot of companies that are putting effort into Privacy Shield,
2: that doesn't mean they're going to be compliant with GDPR come 2018. So, so you know, it, it's clearly going to be a um, a complex problem for many. Um, you know, there's there's absolutely, as we said, there kind of teeth to this legislation, uh, and and there's certainly going to be a will to. To enforce. Um, so, you know, rather than um, scaring the bejeebas out of everybody, as, as, as we have done. Um, I, I mean, just to kind of as our, as our time runs out here, and I and appreciate you've, you've got lots of uh, lots of meetings and things, as well as a trip to Geneva to um, to, to deal with today. Um, what, what are maybe um, you know, if you, if you could give a, a couple of tips? What are some fundamental things then for an organisation who uh, maybe has listened to this and has said, yeah, you know what, We're, we've maybe not taken GDPR and data privacy seriously as we need to. We need to start making some changes. There are some fundamental steps, some some initial things that an organisation should be looking at doing that, that would help them to start on this uh, kind of data privacy journey.
1: Sure, I mean there's there's a number of things, and one thing I do want to caution is that we are seeing a lot of marketing and a lot of materials coming out, and companies, you know, saying we have these great tools and technology that we can sell you to help you become compliant with GDPR. And although the tools and technology are extremely important, I caution companies to take a step back. This is first and foremost a legal compliance issue. It is not an IT issue. IT will be a partner in this to help support the ongoing um, compliance with GDPR, but IT is not the one responsible for ensuring compliance. The chief privacy officer um, is responsible for the overall compliance with GDPR. And the first step is to look at your current data privacy compliance program and framework you have in place. So do you have binding corporate rules? Do you use model contractual clauses? Do you have very clear and explicit data privacy policies and procedures? Do you obtain the explicit consent of of individuals before you collect their data? Have you identified access rights? Who has the right to have what? What jurisdictions do you operate in? You know, what do you use the data for? You need to build that data privacy foundation, that framework, before you start to look at tools and technology. And, you know, it drives me crazy when companies come out and everyone's jumping on the bandwagon because they see GDPR as a moneymaker. And they're saying, you know, by implementing these tools, we guarantee, you know, we can, you you can comply with GDPR. And to me, that's like building a house starting at the second floor. Because if you don't build foundation in the first floor, everything's going to collapse. And you're going to be putting in tools and technology that, again, are going to allow you to identify data and to manage data and to store data. But if you're not allowed to have that data to begin with, those tools and technology are not going to help you up front. They're going to help you on the back end. So, I, you know, I start with your assessment. Start with what you, you know, again, what what does your program look like? What do you need to put in place to ensure that you understand how to comply with data privacy laws? What data do you absolutely need in order to manage the customer and the employment relationship? Look at your agreements between, with your employees, with your customers. Look at the data privacy agreements you have with any third parties that you use. So build that foundation first and then look at tools and technology that will allow you to store data for the period of time you're allowed to store it. Look at your records retention and your management and and destruction program. You know, do you have a clearly defined policy on how long you maintain data and, and when and how you destroy it when it's time to destroy it. Look at being able to classify data so that you clearly understand what is defined as personal data in your environment and what is not personal data. Um, and that, that's, that's a very critical aspect. So if I can point out one thing as I keep saying over and over again, start with the foundation, build the first floor before you start using tools and technology to build the second floor.
2: And that, and that sounds like a great tip, you know, because that that's very similar to uh, kind of any approach I think you should have around any kind of data security, data privacy uh, project, which is to absolutely understand where you are Day one, you know, there's no good trying to, as you said, you know, trying to build the second floor before you've understood the foundations in the first floor. So, so I think that's a really useful tip for people. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think you've covered loads of really valuable information there, and I think hopefully people will have will have learnt an awful lot here. Um, and, and certainly, I think there, in, in summary, some some great tips on the place that the places that you should start as a as an organisation, whether that's as an IT pro advising a business on on Tools and techniques that you might be able to use, or whether you're, you know, legally, uh, you know, the, the person legally responsible within that organisation for, for delivering data privacy. But if people want to find out, um, maybe some more more background, uh, or maybe want to find out, because I know you're, you know, you're pretty active on social media and and uh, you know, certainly point and produce quite a lot of content for people. And where's a good place that people can uh, maybe a good starting place to find out some more information? And of course, if people want to kind of uh, maybe maybe follow uh, some of the stuff that you, you push out there online. Uh, what, what's a good way to keep in contact with you as well?
1: Oh, uh, happy to. Um, I, as you can tell, I can talk about this at nauseum. And I love talking about it. I love help pe- helping people discuss it. Um, you can follow me. I'm on LinkedIn. So Sheila Fitzpatrick, I'm on LinkedIn. I publish a lot of articles on data privacy, data sovereignty, GDPR. Um, I'm also, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Sheila FitzP. Um and also you can contact me via email at netapp Sheila at NetApp.com.
2: Sheila, that's uh, that's fantastic. And um... As I, you know, I said right at the beginning, yeah, the, the people can maybe look at data privacy as a uh, bit of a dry subject, but I think your enthusiasm and, and absolutely your knowledge about it makes, it makes it an engaging and interesting topic, um, as well as a very important topic for people. So um, I know you've got a really busy day ahead, so um, really appreciate you uh, early this Monday morning taking the time to chat with me. Um, but, yeah, thanks, thanks very much for what you've covered, and uh, I, I hope we'll, uh, we'll get a chance to do this again soon and maybe pick up on people's journeys as, as they start to take data privacy and, uh, and how they impact that in their business. So, um, so again, thanks for your time. I much appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you, Paul. I, as you know, I love doing this. Any point in time I can help, um, feel free to reach out to me.
0: I certainly will. Thanks, Sheila. Thank you. I enjoyed that episode uh, and I think over the couple of shows Sheila has given given a fantastic insight into data privacy and some of the steps that we can take to build robust policy and privacy procedures in our organisations. Uh, so next week I'm joined by NetContent's Dom Saunders uh, as we take a look at people uh, and how we can help to educate and inform people in our organisations to turn them into a real strong asset as we take on the challenges of data security and data privacy. So if you want to catch the episode then why not subscribe? You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud uh, and if you want to hear some of the previous episodes and please take a look on techstringy.com and you can find under the techstringy interview section all of our back catalogue of episodes so hopefully you can join us next week and thanks for listening